Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast. Welcome to Prophecy Countdown, where we provide two updates on this channel each week. On Sunday, our messages premiere at 1 p.m., and then on Wednesdays, our messages premiere at 11 a.m. The title of my message today is The Gates of Hell, and we'll be talking about a confession that Peter made uh, regarding Jesus, that Jesus was the Christ, and then Jesus replied, and we'll be taking a look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, as the name of our podcast implies, our podcasts typically have a prophecy thread. We love answering questions regarding prophecy, or actually any question regarding theology and the Bible. I answer all of the questions myself. Um, so send us an email. Our email address is prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. So as I mentioned, today's message is called The Gates of Help. And today, we're back in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been going through this Gospel of Matthew for about a year, and we go through chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Today, we're picking it up in chapter 16. Jesus and his disciples had traveled north, about 25 miles from the Sea of Galilee, um, to basically the farthest outpost uh, of ancient Israel. It's a city called Caesarea Philippi, it's really only 25 miles uh, uh, from the Sea of Galilee, but with respect to culture and language and religious beliefs, the, this Gentile city of Caesarea Philippi is so far removed from Jerusalem, it could have been actually on a different planet. I'll, I'll reference this a little later because it's actually quite important. Here in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples who the people say he is. The disciples report that some people think he's the return of, uh, of a great prophet. Others say that he is John the Baptist, however that could be. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I, that I am? Now, it's, 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 it's quiet for a moment, but then Peter answers for the group. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Jesus tells Peter that this truth has been revealed to him by God, the Father. Um, Jesus then takes a, makes a little word play out of two Greek words. Um, one is, uh, uh, is Peter, which is a stone, and the other one is the word for rock, uh, which is a much more harder, harder substance. It's, and he says it's going to be on this rock that the church is built. Um, now, on Peter's statement, this, this expressed belief that Jesus um, is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says this, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, this is my sermon title, The Gates of Hell. So this is the verse, when we get to it, we're going to land on it and spend some time there. Jesus tells Peter that he will be given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever the disciples bind or loose on earth will be bound or loosed in heaven. Now, this scripture 
in verse 18 that Peter is the rock has been a, a point of, of contention uh, between Catholics and non-Catholics since the, the Reformation of the 16th century. Now, I don't participate in these foolish arguments. It's, it's not only foolish, but it, it doesn't support the notion either way that the Catholic Church is the one true church, as Catholics say, or as many Protestants say, that Peter really didn't play a significant role because that's not true either. It, arguments only bring division. And Jesus clearly said that he wanted us to be one. So let's just find a way to be able to, to, to talk through this and be able to understand what Jesus is truly trying to teach us. So now that we have this overview, let's take a look at the text and we'll spend a little time unpacking what's actually being taught. I want to actually read through the text. It's only seven verses, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Caesarea Philippi, it's harder to say, isn't it? Caesarea Philippi was located at the foot of Mount Hermon. Now, both the mountain as well, now this mountain was huge at 9,000 feet. Both the mountain and the city, Caesarea Philippi, are important in our understanding of this passage. The city was named by Philip II, the son of Herod the Great, who used his name, Philip, and the name of the then Roman emperor, which was Caesar Augustus, to identify the name of the city. The city was officially dedicated under Roman law, to Zeus. Caesarea Philippi was a center of pagan worship, and there were many temples and shrines. It was interesting, they were, they were, they were, the city was especially known for the worship of Pan. You know who Pan is, the god that's part, uh, part man, part, um, uh, part horse, and he, and he plays a, a, a flute, or a little pan pipe. According to Jewish tradition, Mount Hermon was the location, get this, where the sons of God had descended from heaven, ultimately corrupting humankind via their offspring with human women. If you're unfamiliar with this idea, it's out of Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Let me read it to you because I think it's significant. In verse 4 it says, this is Genesis 4, Genesis 6, 4, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also thereafter, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Uh, now, many Bible scholars teach that one of the reasons for Noah's flood was to rid the earth of these half-breeds, half part devil and part human. Mount Hermon, as I mentioned before, at 9,000 feet, is the tallest mountain in this, this region. It's also referred to at the time as the rock. Get that? It was called the rock. And the foot of the mountain was also known as the gates of hell. It was, again, believed that it was called the gates of hell because this was the passage by which the demons, the son of God, sons of God, uh, gained access to this, this world. Now note that it, this was, it was here in Caesarea Philippi at the foot of Mount Hermon, or Mount Hermon called the rock, 
and the place what was called the gates of hell, that Jesus deliberately, deliberately set himself against this background, against the world's pagan religion, the place that the Jewish tradition said the very gates of hell were located. And this is a very commercially rich city, very pagan, very Greek, very non-Jewish. And he asked this question, who do they say that I am? And then he asked Peter, he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And of course, Simon Peter answered for the disciples, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now note that this is a question, my friends, that each one of us has to answer as well. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You know, there was a book by Josh McDowell going back probably almost 30 years ago, maybe longer, uh, called More Than a Carpenter. I remember the book very well. In fact, it was very inexpensive, and I bought a number of copies and would give them out to people as I tried to talk to them about Jesus. Uh, Josh McDowell did a tremendous job, a very excellent job, of describing who Jesus was using the words of Jesus, what who Jesus said he was. And, and then... Josh McDowell said there is only three possibilities. One, either Jesus was a, a lunatic. He actually thought he was a son of God and the Savior, but he was a lunatic and he didn't know any difference. Or Jesus was a liar. He deliberately knew that he was just a false prophet, but he claimed special revelation from God. Or the third prob probability or possibility was that Jesus truly was who he said he was that Jesus was Lord. So the three possibilities, according to Josh McDowell, was liar, lunatic, or Lord. Now, this is the question, again, that we all need to answer for ourselves. Because if Jesus truly is the Lord, if he truly is who he said he was, and that everything that the Bible says about him is true, then it's incumbent upon ourselves to align ourselves with this truth. If not, as the Bible says, we will be forever lost. If we really believe Jesus is who he says he is, it will affect every part of our nature. It will affect who we are. Now, Jesus, I want to, I want to pick up on verse 17. Uh, Jesus answered, and he said to him, because this is, this is key, he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades, or hell, will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, Peter's role in the church is well documented. And again, I'm not going to get into the controversy of whether Peter was the first pope or not. It's ridiculous. We don't need to go down that, that road. Note, however, that Jesus says something very unique. He says, I will build my church. You know, this is the very first time in the entire Bible that this word church is used. The word here is the Greek word ekklesia. Now, this is before Pentecost. So this shows that Jesus is anticipating what's going to happen. This is before the church was founded. This is before uh, that Peter comes out on the, on the, uh, on the stoop and, and preaches at Pentecost after, Holy, after the Holy Spirit descends, which is the birth of the church. So Jesus, in, is in, in essence, is prophesying 
and why not? Jesus is a, is a prophet. He's the king. He's the son of God, and he can prophesy. This is what he's doing. Peter answered, and he definitely took a leadership role. Remember, Peter was one of the three in the inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John, the two brothers. And Peter was the one that gave the sermon on Pentecost, uh, saying, in fact, he quoted Joel. We talked about this last week, the prophet Joel. And, and Peter came out on, this, on, the, on the stoop after Pentecost and, and spoke to the crowd. And he said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now, most people are unaware of the change that Jesus was prophesying about. There is an age that is drawing to a close and another age that will be emerging, the age of grace. We also know it as the age of the church. Uh, this was the time, remember, that there were 12 men, these 12 apostles, at the time of Pentecost in the upper room, there was 120. And then, of course, after Peter preaches his sermon and gives the invitation, there were 3,000 that were baptized. Talk about growth. You know, these disciples, with the word of God, uh, actually all of us, would change the world. Remember that Judaism was, was unique especially unique because they believed in just one God. It stood for, uh, Judaism stood at, in complete contrast. In, in many ways, paganism was the de facto religion of all other cultures. The Greeks, the Romans, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, all contributed to this, this plethora of, of deities, of gods, um, they, they added to, not only to the gods, all their folklore, all of their superstition. But Christianity was birthed on Pentecost, and Jesus is prophesying the birth of uh, this new age. By 350 AD, for example, Christianity had over 30 million followers. Uh, it became the official religion of the Roman Empire when the Roman Emperor Theodosius declared that the entire empire was to, to be Catholic. This was in 380 AD. You know, Jesus didn't only prophesize, but in many ways, he's throwing down the gauntlet. He's, he's declaring war on the realm of the dead. And actually, that's another way that the gates of hell is referred to. It's the realm of the dead. Christianity, by the way, is not just defensive. Many people say, you know, when you take a look at the gates of hell, um, the Christianity is defensive, and gates are only defensive. Well, Christianity is not just defensive. They have one weapon that's very effective. The Apostle Paul, in describing the armor that the believer needs to put on, this is in Ephesians, says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That's an offensive weapon. And Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against it against the realm of the dead, of Hades. Jesus, remember, promises his disciples, his, the people that follow Jesus, eternal life. And now many people think that eternal life, um, beginning at the moment of someone's death, of their mortal death, but the Bible tells us that eternal life actually begins when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes upon us, it quickens our mortal body, and we become born again. Eternal life starts then. Now, 
In closing, did you know that there will be a generation that will not die? Remember, if people believe that eternal life starts at death, there's actually going to be a generation that will not die. That's a prophecy as well, and it's a promise to us. The Apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians in chapter 4 to remember what he had told them when he was with them. Let me read it to you, and we'll close with this. Uh, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 15. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I hope I brought some comfort to you. My friends, Jesus is returning, and he's returning soon. Before his second coming, he will close out this age of the church. The trumpet of God will sound. We who are dead, the dead in Christ will rise. We who are alive will be caught up together with them. The Bible says that we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and will join those and meet the Lord in the air. Now, we'll forever be with the Lord. However, after that event, those who remain and dwell on the earth will have to deal with this character called the Antichrist, who the Bible says that Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. That's out of Thessalonians chapter two, I love that. The people of Israel, the Bible says, will ultimately know Jesus as their Messiah and all of the promises, all of the Old Testament prophecies given to the people of Israel that remain unfulfilled will be fulfilled. And we know this because we have the Lord's word on it. He is faithful and he will fulfill all that he has promised to the people of Israel. God's word ensures it. Let's go ahead and pray. So Father God, we wanna thank you Lord for this teaching on the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. We thank you Lord that Jesus declared that he is Lord. Lord, we can trust in that. We can put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ and hope up for the resurrection, our gathering together for, with him. We give you all the praise and the glory for that. We pray, Lord, as well for the peace of Jerusalem. And we give you all the praise in advance for that in Jesus' precious name. Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Bear's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation. Available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Bear. Get your copy today. Thank you for joining us on Prophecy Countdown with Pastor Ken Bear. 
Don't leave without first sharing the latest episode with your friends. Be sure to join us again for the latest updates on Prophecy Countdown.